So good morning, everyone. Welcome. We have uh, such a great group out here this morning, and we're blessed, I think, to be able to lift up our voices to sing to Him who is worthy. Today we have a very special service, and I know I say that all the time, and I really do mean it every time, because it is special. And, um, but today we want to do something a little bit different, and that is we have been looking at at least a couple of um, series uh, for the last three months, right? We talked about, uh, in, we had an invitations series, or sorry, a refreshment series, talking about being new creatures in Christ, being able to see and understand what God offers us through a relationship with Him. And it's so important. I mean, there's so many things that I wish I could just kind of go out there, reach out to you, and say, please understand this. And I'm comforted by the fact that that's the Holy Spirit's job and not mine. And so my job is to express and show and teach God's Word, and I trust that God is doing a, a work in every one of our lives. Whether you've been at church and you grew up at church like I did, and you've been at church for all 23 of my years, all right, 44, uh, or you've been here, or maybe this is your first time here, and, and you've maybe even wondering, like, what in the world? How did I end up here? Uh, just know that nobody's here by accident. God wanted you to be here, and He wants you to hear some things from His Word that I believe could be the most important things you'll ever hear, and has nothing to do with the fact that they're coming out of me. I'm simply here to share with you what's in the book and the wonderful Bible, God's living Word. And so today's message is entitled, Commitment Invitation. It's an invitation to commit. And what I'm going to ask today at the end of the service, at the end of the message, is I'm going to challenge everyone here, including myself, to commit to following the Lord and to glorifying Him with our lives. And for that, so for some of you, that might mean I've never made a decision to repent of my sins and to follow, to place my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it has nothing to do with how long you've been at church or how many times you've visited church. There could be people here or online listening, and you've been part of a church for the longest. And yet, you can't remember a time where you came to the conclusion that you were spiritually bankrupt, and there wasn't anything that you can do for yourself, and you needed Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, that only through Him you can find forgiveness of sins and have the assurance of eternal life. And so, it may be that you uh, are living in sin, and you know it, and God is tugging at your heart and letting you know, convicting you of your sin, and maybe we've been ignoring that. And this is an opportunity to say no more. I want to repent from this sin. I want to follow you, Lord. I want to glorify you. And it may be that you may be called to commit to a life that, that follows the Lord and, and, and gets rid of this you know, lukewarmness that God actually detests. You know, just that, just kind of going with the flow and, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, one foot in, one foot out. Or it may be that you've been what some people categorize as backsliding. You know, you, you're not, you're, you're, you're at church, you tune in, but your relationship with God, there's nothing there. Or there it's not growing, it's not flourishing, you're not thriving spiritually. What's going on? So we want to address all of that because ultimately we want, as we express God's word, we want that to transform our lives. And one thing that we see in scripture, anytime the Lord Jesus Christ opened his mouth and taught, 
there was a division among the people. Anytime Paul preached the gospel, there was a division among the people. Some people believed and some people rejected. And so what we don't want is for us to fall into a trap or the dangerous trap of hearing God's word, maybe enjoying it. Hearing God's word and feeling convicted. Hearing God's word and rejoicing, but never making a decision to go past that. And the Bible talks about being doers of the word and not hearers only. So as a pastor, and I can tell you from the leadership of the church, our desire is that nobody in our church and nobody that listens to our messages online becomes just a hearer of the word. You know, weeks go by, months go by, years go by, and maybe there is no change in our lives. To that we say, no more. And, and some of that has to do with our unwillingness to commit. Now, there's no, there's no, uh, it's no secret that I think as a culture, as a society, just as human beings, we find it difficult to commit, right? It's like, hey, Sunday mornings we get together at 7 a.m., would you come help us? Ooh, you know, uh, you know here's, the, here's the most common answer, right? I could probably go this week, but I can't commit to every week. Why not? Well, you know, I might go to sleep late the day before, I might wake up on time, and whatever it is. And I, that, that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's a little announcement. If you are interested in helping us sit up in the morning at 7 a.m., you'll see a wonderful group, but the group seems to be getting smaller. We need some help. I know some of you guys are going to be wanting to help with that. A fear of commitment, right? Ladies, fear of commitment out there. That's well known, gentlemen. So as Christians that are, you know, we want to be committed followers of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean we, are, we commit ourselves because we think we're going to do great. But we are willing to commit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ because He is faithful. And we learn Scripture and we see people like Paul that says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Not my own will, not my, not my own ability, not my own strength. But we trust in Him who is faithful and able to do more, far above anything that we can imagine. And so I know that we, we sit here, including myself, even as I preach it, I know where we say things and we kind of believe things and we think we have a good grasp on God and then God does something that just rocks our boat, our life, shakes us up only for us to get through this trial, really find out God is so much greater. God is so much loving, so much patient than I thought prior to the situation. So a commitment invitation is what we're going to be talking about today. So we'll do a little bit of a, of a summary, and then uh, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, and then we are going to literally ask you to publicly commit to the Lord. And I don't know what He's going to call you to commit, and, and let, me, let me tell you this about myself. I'm very cautious and very aware that as a preacher one can very easily manipulate people. I don't know if you've ever wondered, some of these big churches, and you hear them, if you know the truth, you hear some, it doesn't have to be a big church, but you hear some teaching and preaching, and you scratch your head, you're thinking, that's not even biblical. Or you're listening to them, you're thinking, 
I've been listening for half an hour. Not once have he mentioned the gospel. Repentance, belief, sin. The Lord's sacrifice on the cross. And yet, tons of people keep going to those churches. And then you see them being super devoted. They're asked to do certain things, and, and there they are. Devoted to their, to, to their religion, to their denomination. And, and I would say a lot of that is manipulation. So I want to be very careful. I really do trust that my job is to expose and teach God's word. And I know that God is doing his work. And as a pastor, I get to enjoy a lot of maybe like inside information that most of you don't. And maybe that's why I'm so excited. And I see you guys pretty excited too. Let me take a quick second look. Yes, kind of. All right. We don't always show our excitement when we're sitting on Sunday morning listening to a message, but, but I can tell you that God is on the move. When I, when, I have, when I have people text me or call me and say, hey, Mike, is there anything that I can do at church? What do you mean? Yeah, I just, I don't know, I just want to serve and I have some time and is there anything I can do? Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that we can do. But wh- what is that? that I, in my estimation, that's God working in your life. Or me having conversations about, you know, people coming to repentance and say, you know what, no more. I'm struggling with this, but I need help. All of that is God moving, and he's, got, he's moving through his word. As, as we preach the word, as we get into the word, as we listen to the word, God is moving and tugging at our hearts. And then we get to enjoy the fellowship of a church so that we can get direction, so that we can get advice, so we can get encouragement and support. So I know God is, God is moving, and, and, and God doesn't need me to manipulate you or anybody else. I trust that he's doing a work. You know, we have people sitting here today who just found us randomly, right? They, they just happened to be visiting next door, and they saw our wonderful, fancy sign up there in the front. And, and they just looked us up, and they found us, and they went in, and they started seeing some of the messages and the content of who we are. And then, here they are. I will tell you who they are, but I don't want to embarrass them. But they are sitting towards the back, right in front of me. Don't look. All right? And people like that. There's some of you that I don't recognize you here this morning. I don't know who invited you, how you got here, but we're so glad that you're here. All that to say, I know God is on the move here at Crosspoint. And we're so glad. To me, it's such a privilege to be the senior pastor of a place where we see God working. So we welcome you here. If you've been here for a while, we want to just encourage you to seek the Lord wholeheartedly and you know, for us to collaborate in order that we will be used to impact this church, the families in this church, our community, the communities around us, and even around the world. I truly believe that and I see that. So this morning, so be ready for that. Okay, that'll be towards the end. But we, before we get to the end, we got to go through our good stuff right here. Let me share with you a key verse that we've talked about in the last several weeks. Hebrews 10, 24, I'm going to use that as a key verse. But listen to what it says and see how it applies to our community, our fellowship, whether you're here or you're online. Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider one another. 
That's part of our, the leadership of our church, our group of elders. What we often do is we consider the state of our church. We consider how people are doing, who, you know, how many people were here on Sunday. It's not because of the numbers, but it's because how many people are we reaching with the gospel? And who hasn't been here in a while? Let's reach out to them. So let's consider one another. Where are we at? Why? In order to stir up love and good works. And it is my and our estimation that we're in a point at Crosspoint where everything that's going on has led us to, to a point, even this morning, that we would commit to the Lord Jesus Christ to follow Him. And again, that might mean different things for some of us depending on where we're at. The main point this morning is this. God is glorified. And, and if you notice, my main point in every service has to do with God's glory because God's glory is the most important. It's the very reason why you exist, to bring glory to God. All of creation's job and privilege is to bring glory to God. So God is glorified when people draw near to Him in repentance and with a commitment to follow Jesus Christ as Lord. God is glorified when we commit to Him in repentance, when we turn from our sin and we follow Him and we say, Lord, I commit my life to You. And for many of us, maybe for most of us, there's a little sense of, of hypocrisy, of guilt, because I think none of us follow him 100%. Maybe we never have. There's been maybe some highs spiritually in our lives, and then, then we see the lows. And then if we, we start being really critical and analyzing our life, we realize there's areas in our life that need improvement, and we know God wouldn't be pleased. And, and if other people will find out everything about us, wow, that would scare everybody else away. And so I, I understand that, and we all feel that, and that's actually a good thing. But it's not a good thing if it prevents us from committing to following Him. Because the Lord is the one that said, follow me. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the truth, the way, and the life. And He says, follow me. And if we're going to follow Him, that means we can't stay where we're at. We can't say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you as we're sitting down in a chair watching Him walk away from us. But if we're going to follow Him, that takes commitment. That means we're going to get up and we're going to put our eyes on Him and we're going to do whatever it takes to follow Him. And in our mind, and maybe this is the enemy, in our mind we think like, but I, I don't think I can follow Him 100%. I'm glad you're here so I can tell you this. I'll tell you, you won't follow Him 100%. Let's just get that out of the way, shall we? So if that's stopping you, from, from committing to the Lord because you're not perfect. Let's just get that out of the way now. You're not. And as far as I can see in Scripture, none of us will ever be perfect and none of us will ever follow Him perfectly as long as we are in this earth. And nobody should hear that and say, oh, okay, so then I'm good wherever I'm at. I'm saying no. Oh, so that means I can do whatever I want and continue whatever I'm doing and God's good with that? I would say no, it's not. So we understand our fallen, limited nature, but that doesn't stop us from committing ourselves to Him and doing our best to follow Him wholeheartedly because that's what He wants from us. As you do that, you'll realize that you're finally living for the purpose for which God created you. Sometimes we think, well, if I follow the Lord, I'm going to miss out on all this other stuff. For anybody who's been following the Lord long enough, you re you, we can testify of the fact 
that we have no regrets in following the Lord. And whatever losses we occur, occurred when we turned from our sin to follow the Lord, God has blessed us, you know, a thousand times over. The things that used to give us pleasure and we thought were fun, we, now we realize that true pleasure and true fulfillment are found in Christ. And all those other things were just fake substitutions. That true fulfillment, joy, peace are found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may not be able to see that now, but that's where faith comes in. When Jesus said, come to me, eat of my body, drink of my blood, have fellowship with me, come into a relationship with me. And as he told the woman at the well, rivers of living water will flow out of you. Faith is required. So God is glorified when people draw near him in repentance and with a commitment to follow Jesus Christ as Lord. So we don't want to be in a position where we say we're following the Lord, but we're doing our own thing. We're not actually moving towards Christ-likeness. But we also don't want the reality of our limitations to prevent us from committing ourselves unto the Lord. So let me read um, Hebrews 10, verses 22 to 25, is what we're going to use to, to talk about um, to talk this morning to, for our lesson. <clears throat> Hebrews 10, 22 through 25 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. And I take that as, as a commitment. Let us draw near to God. And if we, if we have time to explain Hebrews and the analogies, the comparison that this author is, is making, he says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. Verse 24, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, even correcting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Meaning, we don't have the luxury, beloved, of assuming that we will be here another 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, 5 months. None of us have that luxury. If you really pay attention to the fact that we're mortal beings, and, and all of us are just moments from entering eternity for various reasons, whether it's health-wise, there's accidents. I'm sure if you live in the Whittier area, was it a two nights ago you felt a little shaker, a little earthquake, all right? Uh, those are always a little scary because, you know, if, if you were awake, I don't know what you were doing at 1130 at night, but okay, if you were awake like I was, uh, you know, you kind of feel the earthquake coming and then it's always a little scary because you have no control. There's this amazing energy going through and power and then you don't know if that's the big one that they've been traumatizing us since we were children, right? Like the big one, it could be the big one. And, and so you kind of pause for a second and wonder, is the house going to fall on top of me? Is, is the earth going to open up and swallow me whole? And all these, maybe not for you. Some of you slept right through it. Congratulations. I'm proud of you. If you did that, that's great. Uh, but, but you realize something like that reminds us how little control we have over so many things. 
And that was just a little 4.5 earthquake, and we're glad it wasn't bigger than that, and hopefully everybody's over it. But things like that just remind us that all of us are just a step away from eternity. And so we don't have the luxury to assume that we're going to be here even tomorrow, because none of us have tomorrow promised. That's a reality that we mortal beings live with. But I think the enemy sometimes plays with our mind, and maybe we don't think about death and and so we just go through life assuming that we're going to be here, uh, you know, for our kids to grow up and to see our grandchildren. And some of us want to see our great, great, great grandchildren around. Like, you know, we don't, we don't know. So best thing we could do is just pay attention and make sure that we realize it says here at the end of the, the reading, uh, especially as a day, uh, as you see the day approaching, there's going to be a day when we were no longer be here. COVID reminds us of this. You know, 9-11 a couple of weeks ago reminds us of this. And it's not so we can live in fear, but that we could live wisely. To Learning to count our days brings wisdom. Okay, so let's get right to it. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this beautiful morning to gather, to praise you, to worship you, and to learn more about you and about ourselves as we look at Scripture. I thank you for everybody who's present in person and online. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us, that you would guide us, that you would convict us, and that you would prompt us to respond to your calling. We ask for forgiveness for our sins and our trespasses. And Father, we desire to honor and glorify you, but we need your help. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. All right, everybody. I want to definitely leave enough time at the end because we do want to do, and this might be the very first one ever, we're going to do a in-place altar call. All right, we can do an altar call because then we'll all be right here and CDC will come down and, and arrest us all or something. I don't know. But I am, gonna, I am going to literally challenge you to make a public confession or proclamation of your faith or your willingness to follow the Lord or your willingness to repent of whatever it is that you are dealing with and turn that over to the Lord. We're a family, and I know not everybody here knows each other, but I can tell you growing up in church, one of the biggest blessings is having had a spiritual family like this. Wonderful people, young adults that, that kind of took me in and almost adopted me and, and taught me so much and encouraged me. And, and some of you guys I've known for 30 years. That makes me feel so old, right? Never thought I would say, like, I've known people here for 35 years. And they're not my relatives. They're people from church. So I know we don't all know each other, but hopefully this is something that we can you know, move away from, meaning not knowing each other. We want people to commune. We want people to fellowship. We want people to get to know everybody else. And I know that takes a little bit of uh, faith and courage to be able to trust other people, to get to know them and open up a little bit. But that's, that's part of why we exist as Crosspoint. We're a family. If God is my father and God is your father, that makes us spiritual siblings. And, and we don't want to miss out on the blessing of knowing each other and being able to rejoice with one another and cry with one another and encourage one another and help each other. So let's talk a little bit about the commitment or the invitation to commit. What is 
the invitation. The invitation, beloved, is, is, is a call to discipleship. When the Lord says, follow me, he's calling us to be his disciples, his followers. And let me share a little bit um, about why we exist as Crosspoint. Our, our, our main goal as Crosspoint is to, to fulfill or to obey the Great Commission. That would be Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Listen to what it says in regards to discipleship. And Jesus came and spoke to them, his disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Our job as believers is to go out and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. A disciple is a student. A disciple is a follower. And, and as disciples of Christ, if we are follow, how do you know if you're following Christ? As opposed to maybe you're just following a religion. Maybe you're just following somebody's thoughts or you're imitating somebody. How do you know if you're a follower of Jesus Christ? I'll make it really simple. You're becoming like him. You're becoming like him. If you're a student, you have a teacher, and your job as a teacher is to kind of replicate yourself and your students to take what is in you and put it in them, what you know for them to be able to know. And if you're a good student and you have a teacher that teacher's imparting information, knowledge, and wisdom, and you're taking it in, and inevitably, you're becoming more like your teacher. And if, so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, just ask yourself, am I growing in Christ-likeness? And you might say, well, I don't know. How do I know? Well, you won't know if you don't know who Jesus Christ is. If you don't read the Bible, you won't know who Jesus Christ is. You're going to have this idea of this Jesus who you don't know. And, and many... The churches are filled with people who love Jesus with their emotions, but they don't know him. And that's very dangerous because you hear more and more, you know, I feel this and I, I feel that. I, think, I see most of you guys are old enough to know not to trust your emotions. They're God-given and they can be God-glorifying but we don't trust our emotions. We trust the Word of God. And the Word of God tells us about who Jesus is, what He's done, what He's promised for us. So uh, the call to discipleship is for us to go and teach people, to show them, to help them to observe all things that Jesus has commanded us. Um, so a disciple, you know, at Crosspoint, we're working on a simple discipleship process, and that's that's simple. We're saying as a church, we're here to glorify God, and God is glorified as we make disciples. So when you come into church this morning and with an attentive and receptive heart and mind, you are submitting to God's authority and teaching because we're teaching God's word. You're on your road to discipleship. But that's not enough. I'm telling you right now, this is all you're getting. It's not enough. You got to be in your word. You got to read the Bible. You got to study the Bible. You'll never regret that. And you have people that can teach you and help you and guide you. So we need to be into that. A, a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. Luke 9, 23 to 26 uh, describes that. And, and, and a disciple is, 
You know, Jesus said, if you want to come after me, if you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself. You need to pick up your cross and you need to follow me. So it's not, a, it's not necessarily an easy thing. And, and, and let me move on. But how, how does one become a disciple? That brings me to my second point. You know, uh, so a call to discipleship was my first point. And, and how does one become a disciple? Uh, there needs to be a decision. Becoming a disciple is a, is, is a, is a matter of the will. Not the emotions and, you know, not the heart necessarily, but of the mind, of the will. Making a decision to follow. Looking at the cost, Jesus said. You know, you just don't just jump in and then realize, no, this is not what I signed up for. What am I signing up for? So, you make a decision. Uh, let me share with you just really quick. Numbers 24 14 through 15, this is the Old Testament. We're talking about God's chosen people, the, the Jewish nation, soon after they had inherited the promised land, after having coming out of, uh, come out of Egypt and slavery. And this is a very famous, uh, well-known portion in Scripture where Joshua is talking, is, is towards the end of his life. He's now uh, knows that he's, he's, he's on his way out. He has led the nation of Israel after Moses passed away. And, and look at what he tells uh, God's people here. He says, Now therefore, this is Numbers 24, 14, and 15. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. This is a dying man's last command to his people that he's ruled over. Or led. Verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a decision that was made by Joshua. He said, Look, you don't have to follow the Lord. God doesn't force us to follow him. He says you need to choose. And, and, and if it seems wrong to you to choose God and to follow him, if you got better things to do, he says, if you have other things to worship, admire, and give your life over to, then he says, then you choose that. He says, but as far as for me and my house, we've made a decision. We will serve the Lord. And that's what I'm talking about, a call to to make a decision. Here's Joshua, last words to his people, and he sees the sin, he sees the idolatry, and he says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him. And, and that's kind of what I'm trying to get at. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to interpose my ideas. I think that's scriptural. We have to make a decision. And I think after a couple of series of teaching the word, we want to have a service like this where we say, where are you at? Because we're considering one another. Let's consider ourselves and where are we at? And, and not where do you think you are? Because some of us might think like, I think I'm all right because I'm not as bad as this person and I'm not as bad as that person. But what does the Bible say? What is his call to discipleship and where are we at? And let's make a decision. Let's make a decision to follow him, to love the Lord, to serve him in sincerity, in truth. And he says to put away the God's 
And, and a God is anything that you prioritize over your love and devotion for God. You know, where do your resources go? Your time, your treasures, your talents. How are you using your life? What, it, what or who is benefiting from you? What do you worship? So there's a need to make a decision. To not make a decision for Christ is to make a decision to remain under condemnation. You know, John explains that very clearly. If you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness and salvation. But to not make that decision is to remain under condemnation, for we are already dead in sins and trespasses. You don't get to make a decision whether you're going to be a sinner or not. That was already done. We were born in sin, with a sinful nature. The decision to be made is to repent from that and to acknowledge Jesus Christ by faith, what he did for you at the cross of Calvary. Anytime, I mentioned this earlier, anytime the gospel is preached, there was a division among the people. Everybody was divided. Those who believed and those who rejected and, and our, our prayer is that as we continue to preach the gospel here at Crosspoint, God will draw to himself those whom he has called, those who he is um, revealing himself to. And when he does that, we need to respond. We need to respond. Paul says, today is the day of salvation. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We just don't know. So I'm going to ask us to, to really consider uh, where we're at. I hope you're doing that as I've as I'm been speaking. And, and my third point, so my first point was a call to discipleship. Second point was the need for a decision. And then the third point is the opportunity for a declaration. The opportunity for a declaration. I love the fact that Zacchaeus... After the Lord comes to his house and they have dinner and he knows everybody's talking about him, he just stands up and declares. He says, Lord, he, he publicly shows everyone that he is no longer the same person. And he doesn't care who's there and what people are going to think about him. He just stands up and says, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I cheated anyone, I'll replace what I cheated four times over. And you see this declaration, this public commitment unto the Lord. He didn't have to be asked. He wasn't prompted. He wasn't coached. He wasn't asked to repeat anything. That's what came out of his heart, for he was changed. The woman at the well, after the Lord brings out her sin, and she has this encounter with the Christ, and he reveals himself to her, it says that she leaves her water pot and runs back to the city and, and, and I would imagine, you know, not whispering, just yelling out, come and see this man that told me everything that I am. Can this be the Christ? Everybody looked at her and said, what in the world? What is going on? Isn't, isn't she the woman? She didn't care. Come and see. Come check this out. I think I found something. You see the Philippian jailer. These are the last four studies that we did. You see the Philippian jailer. After he's about to kill himself, and, and then he realizes the prisoners are there, he goes to Paul, falls on their feet and says, 
gentlemen, what must I do to be saved? You know, that question was not a, hey, tell me what, uh, you know, what are the requirements so I could take a look? He was all in. He was about to kill himself, and then he realized everything maybe he heard from Paul, singing, praying. He was all in. He says, what must I do? I'm in. Just tell. They would have told him, you know, 25 jumping jacks and 10 push-ups, and, you know, and get, he would have done it. Why? Because God had done a work in him. And he just says, Lord, what must, what must I do? I want that. I'm, I'm all in. Just tell me what I need to do. And Paul says, believe. Choose to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Salvation by grace through faith. And it's not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. I believe I understand that, and I, I, and I live by that. That I'm not here to, I can't manipulate you into heaven, nor would I want to. I'm not here to, to uh, guilt, you, guilt you into heaven. I can't do that, nor would I want to. But we look at Scripture, we see God's character, we see His grace, His love, and we share His gospel, and I know He's doing a work in us. And I praise God for that. So we see the Philippian jailer, he gets baptized, and then he serves. He serves Paul invites him to his house, probably gives him a good dinner. Can you imagine the guilt trip? But that's a different story. Baptizes and, and he serves them. You know, Cornelius has this revelation, calls for Peter, and he invites all his friends and relatives, fills up his house with his friends so that they too can hear what he knows God is going to bring to him and to them. He's not shy about, you know, bringing everybody in. He wants the best for everyone. And I love seeing you guys inviting your friends. You know, when you invite your neighbors and your relatives, that tells me you understand you found something valuable and you want others to know about it. It's such a blessing for me to see you reaching out to others. That's what we need to do. Now, a public declaration without life-changing faith means nothing, or at the very least, is problematic. A public declaration with no saving faith, life-changing faith, is problematic at the very least. And so we don't trust in a public declaration. We look for a public declaration because it should be a manifestation of what God is doing in your life. It's, it's of no use for you to hear a message and then out of guilt or out of whatever, respond and do something and then put your trust in that. I, I wouldn't want anybody to put your trust in, in I did this and, I'm, and I did that and I'm saved. Beloved, we're saved because the God of the universe revealed himself in us. He allowed us to see our depravity and our need for forgiveness and salvation and he allowed us to understand the gospel that only Jesus can save us based on what he did on the cross for us out of love. He paid the price. He met the requirement. We accept that gift of forgiveness. Ooh. So, all right. <clears throat> we see Acts, everybody being baptized. So here's the declaration, beloved. I am out of time. But here's what I'm going to ask you. My call to you to commit, your, the invitation to commit is, if you've never been, let's start there. 
You've never been baptized. You've been in church. You've heard the gospel. You understood it. You think you've responded and you've never been baptized. We'll talk about that, why you haven't done that later. But today is the day of salvation, beloved. If God has spoken to you, you know that God has done a work in you. I would ask you to consider making a public declaration of what God has done in you in baptism, showing you commitment, declaring the fact that you are here to follow him. And as a, as a family of believers, we want to recognize that so we can pray with you and support you. So now I feel like I'm rushing it, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to ask you, if you've not been baptized and you have repented of your sin and you've acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you wish to be baptized, and I know there's already a couple out there that have expressed that, I want you to stand up so we can recognize you right now. Would you stand up if you want to declare your loyalty to the Lord and you're saying, I want to be baptized and publicly declare my faith in Jesus Christ? We have three people over there that I want to acknowledge and I want to um, praise the Lord and, and acknowledge the fact that I, I know the three of them and I pray that we're not going to baptize them now unless you really want to. We could but we could also schedule because of COVID and kind of weird, you know, dun dunking people into the same water. But uh, I want to acknowledge them. I want to give the Lord a round of applause because God is on the move, beloved. God is on the move. And it, it's such a blessing to see the people that have been baptized this year, and we trust that there will be more. But, beloved, if, if you, you, you guys may have a seat, if ever you come to the conclusion where the Lord is speaking to you and you want to take that step of obedience, please reach out to us. We want to have Bible studies with you. And then we want to, um, it will be our pleasure to baptize you as, as part of our Crosspoint family. Um, but also for you, if sin is in your life and you know you've been playing around and you, you understand that you're offending God and God is not pleased, I, I, my, my invitation for you to commit is to repent to repentance, and there isn't anything in your life that God cannot overcome through His power and His Holy Spirit. And so, if that's you, let me. I'm going to ask three three things. If you know there's sin in your life that God is calling you to repent and to confess, I'm going to ask you to commit to that. If you have been just living your life and not not living it for Him, but for yourself or for other things, and you need to repent from that, you want to say, Lord, no more. I want to live for you. I want to invite you to commit to that and to start living for him wholeheartedly. And if, if you're a believer and you've just, you know, just taken it easy and you haven't been serving the Lord and you know that he has saved us unto service, that, 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 that genuine faith serves, we, we're, not, we're not saved through what we do, but as we are saved, we begin to do. And you begin to realize that God has saved you for a very specific purpose that honors and glorifies Him. And so if you haven't served Him and you want to say, no more, I'm going to get rid of this laziness. I'm going to get rid of this, uh, you know, just not caring about the things of God. I want to be involved in God's kingdom. I want to seek Him and His righteousness. Then I would ask you, invite you to commit. So if, if you want to commit to serving the Lord as He deserves, if you want to commit to uh, no longer just you know, lukewarmness and just getting by. I want to invite you to commit to that. And if 
there is sin in your life that you need to repent from and confess, I want to invite you to commit to that. So let me ask you this question so that you will be publicly acknowledged, and, and we don't even have to look around, but I'm just going to say that and ask you to stand up. If you commit to serve the Lord, if you commit to no longer being a lukewarm Christian, one foot in, one foot out, and if you commit to the Lord um, and, and, and really that you have, and no, understand that you have sin that needs to be confessed and repented from, would you stand up right now? And then we're going we're gonna to end our service um, with, with the prayer. I want us to really acknowledge the fact that God is calling us to commit ourselves to Him. And whether it's to repent from sin, whether it's lukewarmness, or whether it's I want to serve the Lord wholeheartedly, I want to invite you to commit to that. And it is between you and the Lord. We don't even have to know, but there is the invitation out there. Reach out to us. Let us know what God is doing in your life. Help us to encourage you and help you in that walk. That's what we're here for. So let me, let me make a special prayer for that, and then we'll take communion and dismiss. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer an acknowledgement of the fact that you are sovereign and you speak to our hearts and you transform our thinking through your word. Father, we, we want to acknowledge you as the one that has all the power and the one that deserves all the glory. And as far as we are concerned, Father, we want to praise you, we want to honor you, we want to serve you, we want to love you and obey you. And we realize we, we fall short, but we want to commit ourselves as a congregation and as individuals whether it's to be baptized and publicly declare our faith in you and what you've done through your son, Jesus Christ. And if there's sin in our lives that we know is not pleasing to you, which any sin is, and we all have that, we want to repent from that and ask for, for strength, guidance, and help. Father, if we've been just riding the fence and, and maybe living hypocritical lives, we want to repent from that and ask for your help and strength. And if we've been idly standing by with our faith and our trust in you, but we haven't been exercising ourselves unto faith in order that we will be used by you in a way that would glorify you, we pray for forgiveness for that, but we also pray that you would help us as we commit to serving you wholeheartedly. We need your strength. We need your guidance. We need your help. I thank you for Crosspoint for everybody who attends, and I ask that you will be glorified through our commitment to following you, Father, as you deserve. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our loving Savior. Amen. You may have a seat. Please feel free to please reach out to us. Let us know what God is doing in your life. And part of why we gather and we get together is to be able to take communion together and to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so if you have your, your elements... We want to acknowledge the fact that this bread represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which was nailed to a cross for our sins. And let me read to you Hebrews 10, 18, right before the portion that we read. It says, now there is where there is remission of these, of the sins, there is no longer an offering for sin. Verse 14 says, for by one offering, he, Jesus, perfected forever those who are being sanctified. I'd love to be able to preach on that another hour, but I can't. 
but it's saying what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross is sufficient to present us before a holy and and a holy, holy God as perfect beings justified by faith who are being sanctified. So as we take this, let me just read from uh, 1 Corinthians what Paul um, shares with us. We get to celebrate and recognize what our Lord has done for us at the cross. And he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray to be dismissed. Heavenly Father, what a blessing, what a privilege to be able to celebrate communion together, the Lord's table, in recognition of your love and your sacrifice to give up your only Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, in order that he would be the sacrifice, the payment for every one of our sins. We rejoice in this confidence of being justified by faith. We realize that we need to grow in Christ's likeness, and so we pray for your help and for your strength. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters, for those who have committed to repentance, to faith in you, to being baptized, to being obedient to you, to no longer living lukewarm lives, but, but to live lives that, are, that, that thrive in, in seeking you and wanting to honor you in whatever way you have prepared for us. I pray for all of us. I pray for your blessing and protection on Crosspoint and everyone who's here. I ask that you would dismiss us with your blessing. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our loving Savior. Amen. God bless you, beloved.